Engaging Leader, episode 171. Stop trying to multitask. It's making you dumb and ineffective. Does your leadership inspire trust, passion, and action? Welcome to the Engaging Leader Podcast with Jesse Leahy, consultant, writer, and speaker. Jesse has helped executives engage hundreds of thousands of people. Join us now for principles to communicate, engage, and lead with greater impact. Hey, Engagers, what do you think about multitasking for yourself and for the people on your team? If you're like me, at least once upon a time, multitasking seemed like a great thing. In fact, in college and in my years after college, in the first few jobs I had, that was a big skill. You put it on your resume, you bragged about how good you were at multitasking. I asked my dad about it, and he said it was the same way when he was in school in his first years out of out of college. So even two decades before I entered the workforce, uh, that was already the case. But if you haven't been told by now, researchers have been finding over the last decade or so that multitasking is actually a lie. It doesn't save time. It wastes time. When you try to do two things at once, you either can't or won't do either one well. If you think multitasking is an effective way to get more done, you've got it backwards. It's actually an effective way to get less done. The late Clifford Nass, who was a professor and researcher at Stanford University, did a study back in 2009 to find out how the best multitaskers did it. He told the New York Times that he had been in awe of really uh, high Multi, what he called high multitaskers, people that seemed to do it really well. He'd been in, in awe of them and considered himself to be a poor multitasker. So to find out what's, what's, what were the secrets of the best multitaskers, he and his team of researchers gave students questionnaires to determine how often they multitasked. And they divided their test subjects into two groups of high and low multitaskers and began with the presumption that frequent multitaskers would perform better. But their hypothesis was wrong. Nass said, I was sure they had some secret ability. But it turns out that high multitaskers are suckers for irrelevancy. I love that. High multitaskers are suckers for irrelevancy. And they were outperformed on every measure. Although they'd convinced themselves and the world that they were great at it, there was just one problem. Nass said, quote, multitaskers were just lousy at everything. <laughs> I think it's very telling that multitaskers are suckers for irrelevancy. That, I think, comes from an inability to focus, to set priorities and stick to them. And they've essentially train themselves to be addicted to distraction. In fact, researchers have found that every time multitaskers allow themselves to be distracted, they get a little hormone shot of dopamine. So it actually feels good to give in to the distraction. They see a notification that they got an email or a text, and it feels good just to go check that. It feels good to go check their social media. When you're on a conference call, and you get the slightest bit bored with the conversation, you just can't help digging into your inbox and trying to see, you know, is there some way I can get two things done at once? But in the world of results, 
Trying to do two things at once will fail you every time. Steve Uzel said, Multitasking is merely the opportunity to screw up more than one thing at a time. Multitasking is the focus of chapter five of the book, The One Thing, The Surprisingly Simple Truth Behind Extraordinary Results by Gary Keller. And I started back in episode 164 to read through this book, which I had been had recommended to me by several top performers. And it struck me as an important enough book that I should, with relatively short chapters, that I should just digest one chapter at a time and do my best to put it into action. And so right now we're looking at chapter five, which is about multitasking. And I'm going to share with you some of the interesting facts from that from this chapter, as well as some of my personal tips in avoiding the trap, the lie of multitasking. And I would encourage you not only to avoid multitasking yourself, but teach your people to avoid multitasking as well. Distraction undermines results. When you try to do too much at once, you end up doing nothing well. So instead, let me encourage you, Figure out what matters most in the moment and give it your undivided attention. It's interesting to note that multitasking became a thing after it was used in the context of computers. The meaning of multitasking has evolved and become interpreted to mean multiple tasks being done simultaneously by one resource, one computer or one person. And it's actually misleading because even computers can process only one piece of code at a time. When they multitask, they switch back and forth, alternating their attention until both tasks are done. Now, computers tackle tasks so fast that it feeds the illusion that everything happens at the same time. So it seems like they're doing it at the same time, but they're actually doing one thing and then the other, alternating. And so When we compare computers to humans, it gets confusing because humans can't actually focus on two things at once. Now, we can actually do two things at once, such as walk and talk, but we can't focus on two things at once. Our attention actually bounces back and forth is what researchers have found. And so that's one of the big reasons why the laws have become so tough on texting while driving because we Although we get tempted to think we can look at our smartphone while driving, we can't actually focus on the road ahead of us and focus on our phone at the same time, where our attention is really only going to be on one or the other. And it's actually probably not on either one very well. And so, as you're probably aware, texting while driving, really even talk, just talking on your phone while driving, has been shown to take a 40% bite out of your focus. And can essentially have the same effect as being drunk. So in the workplace, that dividing up focus slows us down and actually makes us appear dumber than we really are. We're cranking out work product that is not as good. And in the meeting or conference call that we're having, we are coming across slower and dumber than we really are. If you've ever... I mean, I know we all think we're really good at that. Like, no, really, I can read my email and participate in this meeting. But if you've ever been on the receiving end of that, you start to discount that person. You start to ignore them. You get frustrated with them. 
And over time, you actually think about them as having lower IQ than they really have. Now, it gets worse. Not only do you seem dumber, you're actually slower and wasting a lot of time. See, when you switch from one task to another, when, whether it's voluntary or not, two things happen. The first is nearly instantaneous. You decide to switch. But the second is less predictable. You have to activate the rules for whatever you're about to do. So if that's switching between two simple things like watching TV and folding clothes, it's quick and relatively painless. But let's say you're doing something more complex, like working on a spreadsheet, and then you're trying to have a discussion with a coworker. The relative complexity of those tasks makes it impossible to easily jump back and forth. It always takes some time to start a new task and restart the one you quit. And there's no guarantee that you'll ever pick up exactly where you left off. And there's a price for that. Researchers have found that it can be 25% or less for simple tasks to well over 100% or more for very complicated tasks. So if you bounce between one activity and another, you lose time as your brain or reorients to the new task. Researchers estimate we lose 28% of an average workday to multitasking ineffectiveness. 28%, that's nearly a third of your day wasted due to multitasking ineffectiveness, due to bouncing between one activity and another. Also, the more time you spend switched to another task, the less likely you are to get back to your original task. And that's how loose ends pile up which is not only ineffective, it's stressful. It just sucks. Another bad thing about multitasking is it takes us longer to do things. Over time, we get a distorted sense of how long it takes to do things. Chronic multitaskers almost always believe tasks take longer to complete than is actually required. And then furthermore, researchers have found that multitaskers make more mistakes than non-multitaskers. So they're not as focused, so they're more likely to screw things up. That's uh, just make errors. That's not too surprising. But this might surprise you. They often make poorer decisions because they favor new information over old information, even if the older information is more valuable. So it sort of goes along with that hope, that dopamine hormone shot that they get. It just feels better to jump over to new information, and they'll favor that even if it's less valuable. And then the last really key fact, I think, from the research is that multitaskers experience more stress. You know, and stress reduces life, it squelches happiness. So why do it? It's a lot more pleasurable to focus on one thing at a time, and it's a lot more effective, and you end up coming across a lot sharper and smarter to other people. So remember, when you try to do too much at once, you end up doing nothing well. Instead, figure out what matters most in the moment and give it your undivided attention. Now, here's just a few tips that I've found that have helped me do that. I've talked in the past about mindfulness meditation, and I like to think of that as Jedi mind training to focus, uh, to improve my focus and resist distraction. If I can at least even just do five minutes of meditation a day, uh, it makes a difference in how I do all day long to keep uh, a good handle on my priorities and to resist distraction. 
And it seems even better if I can do 10 or 15 minutes of meditation. I've talked before about my favorite meditation app, uh, but I'll mention it again. It's called Headspace. You can find it uh, in the Apple App Store as well as Google Play. And it's just a fun little way to, well, it's a fun and easy introduction to meditation. And it goes beyond an introduction. And the the guy who leads you through these guided meditations is uh, seems like a, a cool, easygoing guy. He's got a fun... British or Australian accent, I'm not sure. And I've been using it for more than a year now and found it very helpful, so you might want to check that out. I'll put a link in the show notes to it. Another thing I've found helpful is to set my smartphone notifications so they're pretty minimal. I do like to get, if there's something really important, then I want to know about it, whether that's from my family or coworkers. But even though those generally I've got the notifications set so that they aren't distracting me all day long. I just make sure I funnel people into the communication channel that I want them to use for different types of communication. And I give people a hard time if they are using my like my bat phone, if you will, to send me things that aren't that important to me by my standards, not important. So I don't promise that anybody can get a hold of me exactly when they want to. I check my smartphone for notifications several times a day. It might be an hour, though, before I even, I even check those important notifications. And for all the ones that I don't consider important, I have the notifications either turned off altogether and I just have a reminder to myself, hey, check Facebook once a week just to make sure I don't miss anything that I'd like to know on Facebook. But I definitely am not checking Facebook all day or even every day. So whether it's your smartphone or your smartwatch or your even your computer, take a invest a little bit of time and turn off the notifications that you don't really need distracting you all day. Another thing is to go off grid when you've got deep work to do. And I just enjoy my workdays better when I have one or preferably two blocks of time every day that are one to two hours long. I love to have just a two-hour block in the morning and a two-hour block in the afternoon where I can just dig into some deep work, some creative work or some analytical work that I'm really going to feel like I got something important done today. Or if it's a meeting with an important meeting, whether it's with my creative team or a client, I don't like to get distracted during that. I want to stay focused on what matters most in that moment. It's a lot more enjoyable and I can do a lot better work. So I just put things on do not disturb and I just figure the world's not going to end if I can't check, if I'm not checking messages for the next two hours. And the last thing I'm going to share is uh, implementing email hacks to minimize distractions. I say this is in a separate category than smartphone notifications because a lot of people let email, a lot of people in the corporate workforce anyway, let email consume huge amounts of their day, even if they don't realize it. And it's important to realize that email is not work. Just cranking through your email box, generally speaking, is not getting work done. It, that's, it's only responding to other people. You're, unless your job is to just respond to everybody around you, maybe you're a, a customer service rep or something, your job is probably not responding to email. When they hired you, 
They didn't say, we need somebody to just be responsive to the emails and everybody else from everybody else in the office and to just answer their questions. They probably hired you to create some value. And you're on a team, and so it's help, you want to be some, uh, have a certain amount of helpfulness for the other people on your team, and you got to get work done through other people on your team and all that. So there is a place for email, but it's not most likely for most of us reading it all day long and responding instantly to people. And so it's worthwhile to invest some time in setting up some hacks for your email inbox to make sure that you're not spending too much time in there and certainly not getting distracted by email notifications throughout the day. I'm really surprised how many high-level people that uh, are letting themselves get distracted by email notifications all day long. Now, I'm not going to go... I've got a a bunch of great email hacks. I'm not going to spend time on this episode because I actually took a whole episode to talk to you about my favorite email hacks. And so just go back and check my podcast, uh, Engaging Leader, episode 113. It's called Top 7 Email Hacks for Leaders. Don't let email kill your strategic leadership. Episode 113, and I will put a link to that in the show notes to this episode. So check that out, and you'll find out suggestions for filters uh, to add to your email. For example, um, routing when you're just carbon copied or blind carbon copied on an email, just having those get routed into a certain folder. And instead of feeling like you got to read those all day long, you just look at it once or twice a week and it kind of keeps you in the loop on things without actually getting distracted by an email that wasn't even uh, directed to you specifically. And another hack that I talk about in that episode is turning off your inbox and processing email only during scheduled time blocks that you decide is appropriate based on your job or your function. So in that episode 113, I go into more detail about those hacks and provide several more. So check that out. So to wrap up this episode, remember that behind every successful person is their one thing. That's the overarching message of the book, The One Thing, that no matter how success is measured, personal or professional, only the ability to dismiss distractions and concentrate on your one thing stands between you and your goals. You need to dismiss distractions and concentrate on the one thing that is the most important for you. The one thing often is something that if you did did it, everything else would be easier or unnecessary. So stop trying to multitask. Instead, figure out what matters most in the moment and give it your undivided attention. I'll provide the links that I mentioned on our show notes for this episode, which you can find on our website at engagingleader.com forward slash 171 as in episode 171. Our thanks to Monica Harrison, our producer, Tom Hitchcock, our programming director, Rick Tarrant, our announcer, and Max Brody, who composed our theme music. Until next time, remember, in the 21st century, the real movers and shakers aren't just leaders, they're engagers. Engagers.